Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works in social media. You're going to love today's show. Today, I'm going to be joined by Michelle J. Raymond, and we're going to explore how to succeed with LinkedIn company pages. Now, if you have a page on LinkedIn and you haven't really done much with it for a while, trust me, you're going to want to pay attention to what we talk about today. By the way, I am at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. If you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show on that podcast app so you don't miss any of our future content. We have some great stuff coming your way. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Michelle J. Raymond. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Michelle J. Raymond. If you don't know who Michelle is, she's a LinkedIn strategist and trainer who helps B2B companies achieve better results with LinkedIn. Her latest book is called The LinkedIn Branding Book. She's host of the Good for Business show, and her courses include the LinkedIn Foundation Masterclass and the Page Admin course. Welcome to the show, Michelle. How are you doing today? I am doing fabulous, and it's a good day from the land down under. So thank you for having me on the show, Michael. I love Australia, even though I've never been there. I've just heard all the cool songs. Michelle and I today are going to explore how to succeed with LinkedIn company pages. But before we go there, I would love to hear your story. Start wherever you want to start. How the heck did you get into LinkedIn? Look, Michael, I am a salesperson at heart. So I've been in B2B sales for around 20 years and mostly focused on manufacturing. Now, here in Australia, we had lots of problems with, you know, manufacturing jobs going overseas. So often, you know, there's 
two companies that would buy each other or, you know, just close down. And so I got made redundant and I went looking for a new job in a new industry that I thought was a little bit safer. And that happened to be selling chemicals into the household and beauty industries, which was so far out of my realm of what I understood. So I turn up at the job and I say, okay, here we go. What do I sell? They looked at me and they said, Michelle, there's 10,000 ingredients. Just go. And I said, yeah, I'm pretty good at selling. I'm okay with that. But is it on the website? They said, no. I said, is it in a catalog? They said, no. And in my mind, I'm thinking around, you know, this is about eight years ago. I'm like thinking, how do people know what we do? So then they handed me a customer list, which had about 80 customers spread around Australia, which is the same size as the US. And they expected me to kind of reach those people every month. And I was thinking, this maths just doesn't add up no matter how good I am. So I just got my job through LinkedIn, which is a pretty common story around that time. And I went to my boss and I said, look, do you mind if I start doing some posts on LinkedIn? Because I think it's the way that I can get what we do out to more people. And he looked at me with this confused look and he said, number one, is it free? And I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'll do it in my own time. It's no problems. He said, I don't care. Go away and sell. So then I began to create content. And when you just post, you know, we sell this, we sell this, we sell this, it gets pretty monotonous and boring very quickly. So I had to learn how to get really good at content. But from there, I realized that you can have the best content in the world, but if you don't have an audience, it's pointless. So I set about creating one of the most amazing niche B2B communities in that industry. So fast forward. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't fast forward yet. Let's back up the train. When you created a community, a niche community on LinkedIn for beauty chemicals, like tell us a little bit more about that story. Yeah, look, I always encourage people to look at LinkedIn as not just your ideal clients. Like there's such a bigger opportunity. So I started with my existing customers and then I started to work my way out. And so I would look at people that would come from supply and logistics or regulatory or product development or scientists. There was all kinds of members of the industry. And then I kind of looked at it. One of my favorite things, one of my clients used to be Unilever, you know, multinational company. The actual factory was about 20 minutes away from where I worked. Do you think I could ever get into that factory? It was like harder than getting into Fort Knox. And so what I discovered was on LinkedIn, though, I could reach the head of research and development for Unilever in the US, in Europe, everywhere around the world, if I was just polite. And as a salesperson with no gatekeepers in between those people, I really got to see that the opportunity was more than just one small geography. And the more that I got people involved, because, you know, eight years ago, Michael, nobody else is even thinking this was something you should do. I personally didn't even know it was social selling. I just thought it was a way that, number one, I could reach more people. Number two, I loved having the conversations with the community. And I started to see trends from around the world, which were really valuable to the Australian market. And so this community ended up being around 5,000 people, all key people around the world, to which I still you know, have a lot of work that I do throughout that industry. So it was just amazing. What did your boss think? Did it work? I mean, were you successful? Here's the thing. He missed the opportunity. He did not realize what I was doing because that particular industry thrived pre-internet because you had a little black book. So you would send a sales rep or a, you know someone in the business overseas and they would go see factories and they would come back and keep all of that top secret. 
Fast forward, all of a sudden you've got Google, Alibaba, search engines and information at your fingertips. The game changed, but the industry was very slow to catch up. So what happens? You know, I start creating all this new business and, you know, that was amazing. And my favorite part was you would turn up at, you know, a trade show, traditional, you know, where we've got a booth someone's paid a lot of money for. I would have a lineup because people had seen my content and were coming to ask about it. Whereas everyone else was doing that, you know, shark and fish kind of thing where, you know, the fish circle around from about three meters away, trying to stare and see what you're offering at the stand. Whereas for me, they were coming to me like a magnet. And that was another reason that I fell in love with the whole process. Perfect. So first of all, I love that story. Bring us up to kind of how that led to what you're doing now. Yeah, look, I had a couple of great opportunities, one of which was that I could go and be the general manager for one of my customers' businesses. And off I went, and we're in March 2020, which is the time when the world blew up with COVID. We were lucky. It was a cleaning chemical manufacturing company that manufactured hand sanitizer. It was like Ah. a gold rush. You have never seen anything like it. I literally did a post on LinkedIn that said, just in case you don't know, we manufacture hand sanitizer. Get this, I got a $2 million order for hand sanitizer from that post. Wow. Mind-blowing for a business that was really turning over around that amount. So just to kind of give you an idea of the scale, unfortunately, the person I was working for tried to take advantage of that situation and rip some people off and blame me for it. So I quit on the spot. That's it. Game over. I will not have my reputation associated with that. But then I wake up the next day and it's silent. And I go, okay, what am I going to do? And I had lots of job offers come in from everywhere, but I decided I wasn't going to work for anyone else ever again. I would set my own business up, but I'd never planned to be a business owner. That wasn't my you know, gig of where I was headed. And so it took me some time and I bounced off the bottom trying to drive myself crazy coming up with ideas. Fast forward around six months And I saw the beauty industry start to use LinkedIn because in Australia, we had lockdowns all of that year. So those traditional selling methods out the window, no more trade shows, no more customer visits, no more industry events. They all got cut off. So they very quickly jumped onto LinkedIn and started to try to replicate what I'd been doing. So me being me, I love helping people. I love LinkedIn. So I reached out to help someone. And I said, if you try this, this, and this, it will really help you. And Thankfully, she said to me, Michelle, how do you know all of this stuff? I wish I could learn from you. And the light bulbs went off, the angels were singing. And I was like, that's it. I could be a LinkedIn trainer. I could teach the beauty and chemical industry to do what I'd been doing. And so I went away, I rate the training program and I come back and go, ta-da. You know what they said? We're kind of okay right now. And I was like, oh man, I was deflated. But I went to the next client and they looked at me with desperation and said, can't you just do it for us? And I was like, you'd pay me to do that? Like it was just so foreign. And I laugh now. That's how naive I was. I'd always worked in sales. And that's how company pages came into it because you are allowed to be a third party and within the terms and conditions, be a page administrator for company pages. So I just went, sure, I can do that for you. And that's how the company page journey began. And so it's a little crazy to look back now. I've, you know, in the last two years, how far we've come from there to here. I can't wait to tell you all about it. First of all, I absolutely love your story. It's so inspiring. And especially 
very cool for all the B2B audiences that are listening because there's so many people working in little niche industries like chemical supplies and and they've never really found somebody who they can like latch onto and they're really excited probably about what we're going to talk about next. Now, LinkedIn. There's a lot of people listening to this podcast that are very active on Facebook, very active on Instagram, perhaps on YouTube or TikTok or Twitter, but maybe they've overlooked LinkedIn. What do you want to say to them? Why should LinkedIn company pages be something they might want to pay attention to? LinkedIn is definitely like the poor cousin that, you know, it's not really cool. It's been around for 20 years, almost next year. And a lot of people, it doesn't get the attention that some of these other newer platforms get. But the thing that LinkedIn is, is it's reliable. It's the number one B2B platform in the world. It is the number one trusted social media platform in the world. And it's the platform where business is done. And so for anyone that's in B2B marketing, it's one part of the mix that you need to include. Why? Because about 65% of decision makers have a profile on LinkedIn. And so you can reach the right audience to, that are the decision makers and really influence that buying pattern. So company pages specifically, even more neglected compared to LinkedIn profiles and content that's run through personal brands. And the company pages, even though they've been around for a long time, really didn't get any love from LinkedIn themselves and therefore, you know, no one in the community. Now, the thing that I want people to understand why I'm so adamant that it needs to be a part of your, you know, arsenal is that two years ago when I started looking at company pages, no one was talking about them, including LinkedIn. The thing that changed during COVID, everybody grabbed their ad spend off those other platforms that you mentioned, brought it onto LinkedIn and now LinkedIn has record revenue, and especially from the ads part of their business. So it's a growing part of their business. Why does that matter? Because you need a company page to run ads. So the more attractive they make organic, which is the part of LinkedIn that I play in, so I don't do any LinkedIn page strategies. So I do 100% organic. But the more attractive that they make that, then the more likely you are to spend some money with them on ads or boosting posts. So to put it in numbers, when I first started talking to the LinkedIn pages team, they probably had around four or five people in the team. It was like next to nothing. They're up at around 40 now and growing. So that kind of gives you the scale of where LinkedIn's putting their efforts and we're seeing the features follow that up. When we were prepping, you mentioned something about Edelman has some sort of study. Yeah, absolutely. So each year, LinkedIn teams up with the Edelman team and they come up with a report around thought leadership. And this year's one just came out just a few weeks ago. And what they looked at is where do we head in 2023 for B2B and thought leadership? Because there's a real opportunity for brands to drive thought leadership, not just people. And so brands have access to far more resources typically, and they really have an opportunity to highlight all of that. Now, where does this come into play for those that might be in small businesses that are listening to this or smaller marketing teams? Here's why you need to pay attention. If we head into some kind of recession or even a downturn financially over the next 12 months globally, then that will have an impact on how people spend their money. So we want to make sure that number one, we're top of mind so that we're considered for these fewer opportunities. We want to make sure that if people are prepared to spend, they understand the value that they're getting from you. 
And they're really looking for more from B2B sales than just, hey, buy my stuff. And so it's a real opportunity for those businesses that start to embrace this to take and make the most out of next year. So many people listening right now probably have a LinkedIn company page and they probably set it up years ago and forgot about it. So let's talk about maybe some of the things that you would recommend if they have not done anything with their company page in a long while, what ought they, maybe some of the new features or things that they ought to go do. Yeah. And there's a lot of poor, lonely company pages out there that got set up just so that you could have your company logo show on your profile. For those people that are listening in, I'm encouraging you to go back and take a fresh look at your company page. I can tell you that a page that's 100% active and 100% set up completely, they actually get 11 times more clicks than ones that aren't. So what I mean by that is there's been a lot of new features that have come through, might be like lead gen forms. There's a couple of workplace commitment sections. You can go in and fill that in and really show the kind of business that you are. The about section is often something that people neglect. We kind of put in a little bit and then make it go away and ignore it. But it's a real opportunity for that section to be search engine friendly and also really speak to your ideal audience. And so not only do we get more return on the effort, so there's also 30% more impressions if you complete the page setup. We've also got all of these really cool new features. Real quick on the page setup, I want to like just pause there for a second. Is it true? I think it's true. Tell me if this is not true. When you go to your LinkedIn company page, will it prompt you if you're missing certain elements or do you have to look for it? At the very first time when you set it up, it will step you through some prompts and it's really easy and it leaves up what you haven't completed. But if you kind of half completed it a while back and is the new features come in, they don't let you know that they're there. So Uh this is a problem on the LinkedIn side. They sneak things in. There's no fanfare. There's no notifications. Occasionally they'll do some posts or things that we see, but ultimately it's up to you to keep an eye out for it. Yeah. How do we find them? Like, like how, where do we look to even know if we've skipped something? You know what I mean? There's a couple of things. One thing that most people don't actually understand is that LinkedIn pages team actually run a special group for LinkedIn page administrators. So anyone that's an administrator of a company page can come and join this group. And I'll share the link uh, so that you can put that in the show notes, because that's the place where the information is. And I love this particular group because not only is it that, so the pages team run it, they watch, they learn, they listen to feedback, but it's also, you can learn from your peers. So if you've got a question, people like myself will jump in and help out people around the world just because, you know, often page administrators, social media managers, you kind of got dumped with this thing and no one gave anyone training and said, yeah, just go and look after the page. It's easy. And obviously there's, you know, a few technical things in there that it's not. So if we go to our company page, is there like a settings button where we can look to see if there's any empty fields just and then start filling those in at the very least? Yeah. On the top right hand side, there's like a little pencil just over near the banner and it's the edit page. If you just simply click on that and go through each of the tabs on the left hand side menu, you'll see pretty quickly that you know, if there's information missing. The other thing I find, just check that the information is up to date. Some of these pages have been around for a very long time. Things have changed. Businesses have changed. Sometimes they've even moved locations and someone forgot to go back and update it. So make it really easy for people to reach out to you. Perfect. Okay. So thank you for all that. 
Let's talk about those features you're about to talk about. There's a bunch of new features, right, that have come out. Uh, look, there's so many, Michael, that it's so hard to keep up with. But these are some of my favorite ones that I think people should really pay attention to. One, the very first one, which is my favorite, which not many people are actually using at the moment, is each company page also has a bell on the page that you can ring to make sure that people get notified of your page posts. So it's similar to what we've got over on personal profiles, but on company pages, why does it matter? It's really hard for company pages to show up in the home feed. So the more that you can notify people that your content has gone out, they can look for it and hopefully engage quicker. So the quicker the engagement we get when the post goes out, the better it will perform. So there's nothing but upside. Now, I would encourage anyone that has a page, you have to be really obvious and let people know how they ring that bell. Ask them to ring the bell because it's another one of those things. It just snuck in and most people don't actually know that it's there for company pages. Okay, that's really good. So, and we don't get penalized for asking people to say something in the description, like, by the way, be sure to hit the bell to get notified of our future posts. Yeah, I was a bit worried about that when I had my personal bell on my personal profile. I was like, is it desperate to go and ask people to ring my bell? In my experience, the feedback that I got was for most people, they were grateful because LinkedIn didn't even tell them it existed. Hmm. And then they could come and make sure that they kept up with the content that they wanted to keep up with. And so in my experience, personally, there has been no one that said, you know, it's a bit spammy, which is my initial concern. But no, they actually are grateful, especially if the page is adding a lot of valuable content. Are there any other features that you're excited about that you might want to mention? Yeah, clickable links is probably another one. So when you have an image post on your company page, you can actually draw attention similar to on Instagram where you've got stickers that can take you to external links. We've now got the same on LinkedIn. Why do I like this? Because ultimately we want to try and get traffic driven to other places off the platform where you can capture those details or have a conversation depending what your goal is. But for me personally, it just makes it really easy for people to see where you want to send them and what they get out of it. So you can customize the text for that URL. So it could be as simple as buy me, click here, register here for an event. But they really just make it obvious and easy to tell. Yeah, I'd love you to describe kind of how it looks like. Is it like Instagram stories where you can put it over the top of the image? Is that generally how it works? Absolutely. Almost identical to Instagram stories. Wow. Any best practices on where to use it, how to use it? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, look, I use it sparingly. I don't use it on every post. And I think about typically there's a couple of things. If I want someone to register for one of my events, it's a really great tool. The trick that we've got is we've only got 30 characters to describe the link. So you have to get creative. You can't waffle on. There's, you know, such limited space. So you have to think, how can I really grab attention in 30 characters? So from that perspective, I use it sparingly. I use it when I want someone to take an action. You know, it's really for me a call to action as opposed to just please go see my website every single time I've got an image. I think if you do it too often, people become immune to it and it loses that specialness. And I think that's a missed opportunity. Well, a lot of people are going to be kind of surprised to hear that you've got that this feature exists on LinkedIn. And I'm sure a lot of marketers are starting to think of creative uses for it. For example, you know, we have graphics that we create for our articles. I could totally see having a little button on there that says click here to go there kind of thing. Let's talk about content. 
on LinkedIn company pages. What's your take on our strategy? What ought we consider doing? What works on LinkedIn? Firstly, I'm just going to put it out there for those of you who have posted content on a company page and it's tanked and gone nowhere. And you're like, Michelle, what's the point? I can post on my personal profile and it will do far better. I'm with you. I hear you. You're absolutely right. That doesn't mean, however, that the company page doesn't have a space for content that you need to consider. So one of the things that I would say, traditionally, company pages had a content problem. It was the old fashioned, I'm going to broadcast at you all about the company, our financial results, who started. It's all about the company, the company, the company. So what I want to encourage people to do is flip it around just like we have on our personal content and start to make it all about your ideal audience. What value and thought leadership can you give to them to make it easier for them to understand maybe the buying process? And we know that you know, at any one time, 95% of your audience is not looking to purchase. So we want to nurture them along the way with our content so that when they fall into that 5%, we're there, we're top of mind. So I'd like to share, if you don't mind, my three to one content strategy for company pages. It's a really simple way that I've developed that makes it easy for those of you out there going, how do you make this thing work? So it's like this, Michael, if you've got Three plus two plus one, that equals six. And what I'm talking about is a total of six posts. Now, for me, ideally, those six posts would be done in over two weeks. For those of you who are resource poor, time poor, and that's too much, just spread it out, okay, to a time that's manageable. The main point that I want here is about the ratios and rotating these kinds of content. So what does it stand for? Three posts are what I call good to know posts. Now, that's where you show your knowledge of the industry. What's going on? What's impacting it? Have there been regulatory changes? Are there supply issues? Are you seeing new trends? Where has the industry come from? Where is it going to? These kind of things. It really builds up that credibility for your audience. But as I shared earlier, if you just keep talking about all of that, it can get a little dry and get a little boring. Real quick, before you go on from the good to know posts, these don't necessarily have to be your own content, right? It could be links out to other people's content. It could be shares from other pages. Is that correct? Yeah, you can grab external links. You can grab YouTube videos, anything that you find interesting. I would say for a lot of businesses, will you get as much reach? No, you won't as if you created your own post by yourself. But I still think that there's value that if you read something offline, you know, off LinkedIn and bring it onto the platform, you almost become a newspaper. You're the industry source for all of the information. So when you look at company pages, People come and binge that content. We don't just see it in the feed. We come when we're looking for something in particular. So that's the good to know section. Awesome. So next we move on to two posts, which are what I call good to feel. So traditionally we would have talked about things like know, like, and trust. So the good to feel posts are the ones where we get to see what kind of company are you? What do you stand for? Are you purpose-driven? Are you doing some good out in the world? What are the things that you value as a company that I need to know on the other side as a consumer? Now, the posts that work really well here, and this is hands down the best form of content that works anywhere on a company page, grab your smartphone out, take a picture of any employee's face doing anything at all. It could be mundane. It could be the birthday cake. It could be putting an order together. But if you put a face behind the brand, 
it grabs people's attention, right? And so I would say to you, you can never do that too much when you're out visiting a customer, you're at a trade show, all of these opportunities really pop up for that side of things. So the good to feel. Love that. And so, you know, so now we've got this balance. So we, we've shown that we know our stuff. We've shown that we're a kind of business and brand that you want to deal with and your values are aligned, which we know for Gen Z and that kind of age group, that's really important to them. And then what we've also got is the good to buy. And this is the post, Michael, that if I could change anything in this conversation, too many people and brands forget to talk about exactly what they do. So this is where you connect your services to the problem you solve for the audience. And it's important to connect those dots. And too many people don't do it because they don't want to be spammy. They don't want to sell and they don't want to do a hard sell and all of these kind of things. But the problem is they're missing out on the opportunities that they're generating from being a company that knows their stuff a company that people are aligned with their values and like them. And then we go, we're not going to tell you what we do. It's kind of crazy. So if I could fix that, that's why the ratio, you've earned the right to tell people what you do. And you're actually doing them a disservice by not telling them. Okay. So just to clarify, we've got three good to know posts, which are interesting industry information things that aren't necessarily about your company. Too good to feel posts, which are more related to like, uh, what do you stand for or profiling how it's made behind the scenes or some of your employees or events that you're at. And then good to buy is one of those. And that's where you want to actually sell something. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Is that correct? Yeah. And if you sell it from the perspective of here's how we solve your problem on the other side, then people welcome that because you easily, when you see the post, you can identify, Hey, that's me. You're talking to me. And if you've done your customer research, then it should really resonate with your audience and become obvious that you're top of mind and you're the person that's got, you're the brand that's got the solution to my problem. So what type of content are we doing when we create these on LinkedIn? Are these really long written articles that we're publishing directly on LinkedIn? Are these lives? Like what are your thoughts as far as like the mix of content that goes into how we do all of this? Yeah. So for a company page, all the research, both from LinkedIn and people like Richard Vanderblom and myself, all the research that I do is that you need to rotate through all the different formats. So whether it's post an image, short form, text only, long form, all of these kind of things, video also need to go in the mix. But I'm going to give your listeners a tip as to where LinkedIn's focus is and what I focus on for my content hard so that I get best bang for my buck because I get to speak to the LinkedIn pages team and I know where they're going. And there's two things that are really important to them. One of them is LinkedIn live events and the other one is LinkedIn newsletters. Now, both of those are actually long form typically, which goes against a lot of the people don't have attention conversations. Why do they push to these things? I love them both personally. The LinkedIn live events, for one, they're great for building community. You know, that interaction, that feedback that you can get from your customers, that instant, you know, rapport and customer research is just amazing. LinkedIn have a vested interest. I'm just putting it out there. Why do they want it to be successful? They also can sell you ads to promote those events. I think in the future, they'll probably also offer paid events through the platform. I haven't seen that yet, but I, I've just got a feeling that that's where we'll end up. On the LinkedIn live events, you know, like 
When we say LinkedIn Live, I think I know what that means. But when we say LinkedIn Live events, not everybody will know what the events connected to the live means. Do you want to clarify what that means for our audience? So separate to doing just a straight video that you record and upload, a LinkedIn Live is something where you need a third party like StreamYard, one of their services, that you would jump on either by yourself with a guest, might be your team, and start to lead a conversation which streams across onto LinkedIn and can go to other platforms like YouTube or Facebook or anywhere else that you like to stream. So from that perspective, it's in the moment. It's not recorded, although it can be, but for most part, It's an in-the-moment conversation where you can engage with your audience and take their comments and really speak to them, which for me personally, there's one more advantage for anything that's done this way. The difference with your company page is there's also a video tab and there's an events tab, which you don't have on your personal profile. Now, here's what happens if you go live on your personal profile. You go live, it creates a post. It's amazing you get all that engagement. And then it becomes like yesterday's news and drops down the feed. Gone, never to be seen again. If you go live on your company page, we have this amazing video and events tab. They're two separate tabs and it keeps a record there. So if you go to my company page, it's almost like a YouTube channel sitting on this tab. You can see all my historical lives that I've done, which is really great for giving longevity to content, being able to repurpose it and direct other people back again to these episodes. And it just builds up that social credibility on LinkedIn. And so this is another reason why I love it. It's an easy way. If I get a question, I can send people back to that video tab and say, hey, I've already spoken about this. Go check it out. And here's where it is. I feel like in the past they've had events. And then they've had LinkedIn live events because I feel like events were things you could RSVP to, right? Where LinkedIn live, like we, sh- we produce a show every week that's on LinkedIn that's live and we use StreamYard, uh, which is the same platform we're using to pre-record this right now for the video side of things. Is it true that there's a LinkedIn live events and there's LinkedIn live and they're separate or are they the same? Is this just vernacular? Help me understand. No, around six months ago, they actually combined them. So you can still run an event through your company page that is not a LinkedIn Live. So say you've got an event off the platform or a face-to-face event. But what happens is they actually call it a LinkedIn Live event where they brought the two together and it automatically created things. I see. You know, I guess the admin and setup process a little easy, but it also you lose a little bit of control because it auto creates a post. And that happens when you create the event, which might not be when you want the post to actually be set up. So one of the things that I would encourage people, you get up to a thousand invites per week. So if you want people to attend your event, set it up roughly four weeks in advance and take advantage of inviting attendees. So the more people that you can get, and if you run it at a regular time, you'll start to see people show up and keep an eye out for it and join in. And my favorite part is my community in the comments now answer each other's questions. It's not necessarily me that always answers it. And that's really cool to watch. Okay. So you said LinkedIn live events is one of the big things that LinkedIn pages group is telling you is really important. The other one is LinkedIn newsletters. Some people are like, what the heck is that? Why don't you explain what that is? 
LinkedIn articles traditionally only came to company pages the start of this year. They were actually really recent. It was like a big deal that they came to company pages. So an, a traditional article is similar to a blog that you would put on your website, but it's done within LinkedIn. And the reason that I love articles, whilst they don't get great reach, they actually index by Google and your company page can be discovered, you know, through Google searches. So that for me is like a cool reason. But what is a newsletter? A newsletter for all intents and purposes is exactly the same as an article. So the same features within writing it. But the best part about it is you get to build up a subscriber base within LinkedIn. So where we've had those issues and not showing up in the feed, you can imagine if you build subscribers, they get notified every time you send out a newsletter. And sometimes depending on their settings, it might even be an email off LinkedIn in their inbox and they look great. They still have the SEO benefits on Google, but you also have that subscriber base, which for people who may not have resources to set up a newsletter off LinkedIn, it's a really cool place to start. Yeah. I feel like I might've had Judy Fox on my show to talk about this when they first came out and it, it was a while ago. So just to be clear, if you have content like a blog and you want to publish that content on LinkedIn, you can activate this newsletter feature, which will allow people that subscribe, quote unquote, to get notified. And those notifications could be over email or they could be under the alert thing, whatever you call it inside of LinkedIn. Is that right? Absolutely right. And here's a tip that I want to give people. And I can't remember if Judy shared it. I did watch that episode. It was a little while back again. But one of the things that you need to keep in mind, this is like an absolute you know, golden free kick that you want to make sure you take advantage of. The very first newsletter that you send out goes to absolutely every single one of the page followers. It is the only time on LinkedIn where the algorithm doesn't come in and only send it out to a small portion. So that very first newsletter, make it your best, make it full of value and make sure that you really give yourself a good chance. If you're just starting out and don't have very many page followers, so say you're under 500 or something like that, wait till you get to 1,000 or plus so that you can take advantage of that. So wait a little bit and then grow your page followers and then come back. So why is this important? If you go and visit a company page, if they have a newsletter, it sits front and center. So it's really something that they're pushing and they're actually doing more things in the background to make them even better. Okay. A couple of questions related to this. Number one is, can you put a call to action in the newsletter to have them quote unquote subscribe so they don't miss the future newsletters? There is a link that you could go back. So yeah, you could do that. I would say on my particular newsletter, I probably haven't done that. I might take this one away and have a play with it, but the newsletter page does have a link. So there would be no reason that you couldn't send them back around. For some people like Andy Crestadino, he's really clever. What he does is gives you half of the newsletter and this says, if you want to read the rest, click here and send you to his website. Ah. He's been very clever. I can't take the credit for that. It's something that I learned from him. But using newsletter for me, I repurpose a lot of my content. So if I'm potentially like say I'm on this podcast, I'll make sure that I go and put that in my newsletter so that I can have another go at reaching my audience with the same content. And again, because I've got subscribers, there's more likely that they'll receive that. And, you know, it's just a way 
that you can bring your content and extend the life of it and not have to create everything from scratch. And the recent addition is you can tag people and use hashtags within these now, which is just another little thing that makes your you know newsletter go a little bit further. Can you schedule these? And also, do you have a lot of creativity as far as embedding images and all the kind of stuff that you would expect if you were like, for example, doing a blog post? Yeah. So surprisingly on LinkedIn, this is actually pretty good. They've done a pretty good job. You can embed images, videos, podcasts, snippets, slides, all kinds of different things. With a company page, you can actually have two people working on it. So you may be part of a marketing team. One person might do one section. You might have another employee that wants to work on a different section. One of the things that I am hoping they'll do is allow us to set some templates up so that you don't have to create everything from scratch every time. At this point in time, it's just a, a wish list item, but you know, I know that they're listening out there. Now, one thing that I'm pretty confident about is that you don't get the email list, right? Like all the other platforms, you know, it's, it's LinkedIn that's going to own that, but you get the distribution, which is the advantage, hopefully that LinkedIn is providing you, right? You can actually see who's subscribed. So you can see the subscribers, but you can't scrape that list and send it to a third party or off the platform. So I would say those are your hot leads. Those are the people that I would make sure someone within the business is nurturing relationships, reaching out to connect with these subscribers. Because quite often for a business, you'll have people that might be following the page, but not connected to individuals. So it's really important that you cross-pollinate from one way to the other and vice versa. So yeah, you can see who they are, but you just can't go and uh, yeah, take that on and use it elsewhere. That Andy Crestadina tip that you mentioned has got a lot of sparks flying and a lot of people, including me, because we publish content all the time on our website and we haven't really tried something like this. So very, very fascinating. All right. Following, growing a following, how important is that on LinkedIn? And should we try to do certain techniques outside of what we've already talked about to grow the number of, what do they call them, followers or fans? What do they call them on LinkedIn? They should be fans, but they are followers. And so what I would say to you is, you know, the first side of madness is talking to yourself, but we need an audience, right? And a company page is no different. And I'm not going to lie, it will take a bit of time to set up and get a reasonable number of followers. Now for a company page, what's that number that I'm looking at? Probably around a thousand is a good number. What has happened recently is that when I first started managing company pages, it was really hard to invite people to follow. And I would have to tell clients, look, we have to work together for 12 months. You'll never see anything, but trust me, which I can tell you didn't land very well. I keep feeding this back to LinkedIn saying as a small business owner or a medium business or anyone actually that's starting a new page, no one has 12 months to set it up to see a return on that investment of time or money. And so what they have given us originally was we got 100 invite credits. And so those 100 invites are you can invite any of your first degree connections to come and follow the page. Now that recently got increased to 250 per page admin. So if you have multiple page admins, you can actually see that you can get that 1000 that I'm talking about pretty quickly. Now, the thing that I would say to people, every single invite that's accepted, you get a credit back again to reuse. So here's how you can maximize the chances of that. When you go to do the invites, there's actually some filters by geography, industry, school, these kind of things. Take advantage of that. 
create yourself a really niche B2B community like I did in the beauty industry. Make sure that you create it from the 360 degree view that we mentioned before. So ideal customers first, current ones especially. Then we look at where our potential audience is and then the rest of the industry. So you'll get that number pretty quickly. It might seem like it's a huge number to target, but the quicker that you get there and you understand, then the more eyes on your content, and we've talked about what kind of content works. So the more eyes that you get on it, the more chances that you've got. For me, ultimately, I'm talking about, I want increases in revenue. I want increases in opportunities coming so that we can have those kind of conversations. So yeah, but use the invites. Yeah, it's the fastest way to grow. Michelle, this has been pretty mind-blowing for a lot of people. And I think you've given people opportunities to pull over to the side of the road or pull out their phone and write down some notes. And I'm sure there's going to be people listening right now that want to learn more about where they can discover more about you. So why don't you tell how people can connect with you on LinkedIn? And if you want to mention one of your courses or any other thing where you want to send them, where do you want to send them? Yeah, for sure. There's two places that I'd love people to come and join me. So one obviously is reach out and connect on LinkedIn. Let me know that you listened into the podcast or saw the show. I'm Michelle J. Raymond. So my initial in the middle is there so that you can distinguish me from the many other fabulous Michelle Raymonds that are out there. So Michelle J. Raymond is where you'll find me. You can also find me at my very fabulous new website, thanks to your inspiration, Michael, which is LinkedIn for b2bgrowth.com. And so that's been set up for your listeners so that they can come in and see the kinds of things and the ways that I can help them. So LinkedIn, F-O-R, b2bgrowth.com. Michelle, thank you so much for connecting with us from the land down under and sharing all of your fascinating insights. We are way better because of it. I appreciate you. I just hope that if people have listened in, go back, give your company page a bit of love. I promise with a bit of love, it will pay you back. Just be patient. It's definitely the game of the tortoise and hare. Be the tortoise and it will pay you back. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 546. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.